Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. So we had a brief chat. You, you, you're familiar with the region because you've had such a sort of, uh, your career has taken you all over the world. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, who you are and what sort of career you have, you've had up until this point? Oh, um, well, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago and I started off doing uh, IT consulting. So I did IT consulting for energy companies in the region for about 10 years and music was always a hobby. So in about 2008 or nine, I had the opportunity to, to pursue music as a career. So I sort of set myself the, the goal to see how far and how wide you know, I could stretch my hands and, and um, create context for Caribbean culture, specifically Trinidadian culture through music. And um, did that for about 10 years or so. And um, also was able to expand into visual arts, film, music, you know, in terms of being able to, to, to spread the word about what we were doing in the Caribbean, not just to the diaspora, but to other, other regions as well. And uh, about four or five years ago, I got back into the tech space speaking at Slush Collision and a couple other places on the intersection between creativity and technology and how can creators use the tools that are available to them and how can technologists create the tools that creatives need in order to succeed. Amazing. So, you know, looking at your career and doing a bit of research, you know, one would be forgiven for calling it in stages. You know, you studied, you did IT, you opened a bar, you got into uh, music, you, you were part of a, you know, anyone who knows anything about music has heard of Major Lazer and uh, the type of work that you've done and sampling for Beyonce, the tracks that you guys have done with, with Justin Bieber has got billions of views online and then now tech. But actually, if we, act, if we look back, you know, the IT part was always there. Yeah. Uh, you know, did you study that and like was technology was something that you were passionate about when you were younger? Uh, well, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where we had a computer and we had a, my dad had a computer, my dad had a hi-fi system and he allowed, it, he allowed us free reign over both of them. So that sort of uh, molded my interest from a very young age. But yeah, I just always grew up around computers, always grew up around music. So Trinidad is a place that has a rich musical culture as well. So it was just part of my, my upbringing. And can you talk a little bit about the music culture in Trinidad? You know, can you explain what, how that is part of life there? Oh, it's a huge part of life. I mean, we, we, we celebrate Carnival every year. In fact, um, Carnival, today's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so Carnival just finished. So yeah, uh, yesterday was Carnival Tuesday, which was the, the, the climax, the, the big parade that we do every year. And we, we create new songs every year, you know, hundred, hundreds of new songs every year. And we have the steel pan, which is the only instrument that was created in the, the 20th century. And we continue to, to create music and to, to, to influence carnivals and cultures all over, all over the world. You know, I think that um, Brazil is probably the most popular carnival, but uh, Trinidad has had the greatest influence in terms of being able to 
create festivals at uh, you know uh, Labor Day in in New York, Caravan in Toronto, Notting Hill in in oh, London. Yeah. yeah, these are these are all based off of Trinidad Carnival. So I mean, you know, um, music culture is is a big part of who we are. Amazing. And obviously, you know, genres and music can be quite nuanced and can develop over the years and different terms can kind of pop up and be popular at different stages. Sort of 10, 15 years ago when you were sort of doing this on the side and, and playing around with it, I guess, did you know what genre you were getting into? And, you know, did you then decide that you were going to become a DJ? I think the idea of um, genre is is pretty new. You know, like that that's not some something that I really grew up with. You know, we, there was hip hop and dancehall and R and B and and reggae music, and there was soca music from Trinidad. I mean, you know, we make our own music, but this idea of having to 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 make music that has to then fit into a specific category so people can understand it is something that is fairly new. That I, I think that the whole idea of, you know, having to have genres and subgenres and sort of really tie things down and narrow them down only really came to the fore probably within the last few years with the streaming services and so on. And, and I think that was sort of like a, a iTunes thing, you know, that, that yeah. everything had to have a genre, you know, in, in that when we first started, uh, making music and touring and producing and so on. It was just, it was very open format. You know, we, we were playing some hip hop music and we were playing some dancehall music and some, you know, bouncier club tracks and so on. But there was never really this sense of having to have a specific name for it. It was more, what is the, the emotion you're trying to convey? What's the feeling you're trying to, to, to communicate as opposed to, you know, trying to put yourself in some kind of box. Okay, fair enough. Um, you know, Step Conference, this is the 11th year, and if we were sitting on the stage 11 years ago, the music industry was in a different space. The, you know, it was, def it was at the time, it, was, it probably was at the bottom of the disruption, you know, and now it, as it's disrupted, for good or bad, it's changed over the years, and that was kind of coincided with your career. Uh, how did you view that, being on the inside of creating music while it was being disrupted? I think that... Um creation is disruption and i don't i don't mean to just to, to, to sound like a, a sound bite but you know it's a good sound bite. It, 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 it is it somebody's talking or is it my am i hearing myself is someone talking no i think we're good it's okay. just the crowd yeah yeah um You know, the thing about it is that as a, as a creator, you don't really have any control over, you know, external circumstances and, and external influences. You just sort of have to figure, well, okay, how am I going to add to to the to the stream, to the river, to the ocean that that, uh, that is, you know, um, creating culture? So it is a it is a constant disruption. It is a constant challenging of the norm, you know. And, and what what I would have liked. At, it, at 10 years ago, may not necessarily appeal to me in the same way that um, now that it would have then. And what I would have liked when I was a child may not necessarily be what my, my, my parents or even the, the, the generation before me, you know, my, my older cousins and, and, and family may, may have been interested in, you know. So, so, so music is constantly evolving, you know. Um, creative work in general is constantly evolving. You know, the, 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 the type of content that we consume is constantly evolving. So 
I think that being able to 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 to, to create in the, in the midst of this disruption is probably one of the most comfortable feelings because it's it's really about looking at the the technology and the tools that are available to you and saying okay cool how can I use these things you know to do something that's new and interesting and and, and nobody's ever thought of before you know in the same way that um you know the what the guys in in, in Jamaica were able to make dub music in the seventies using uh tape tape delays mm. you know so disruption is fundamentally taking what again somebody else has created and said okay cool here are some tools that i've created to do this and then somebody comes along and says oh yeah but i can also use that to do to do this as well and and they can then create something far more interesting and then somebody else picks up on that it, it becomes part of the mainstream ethos and then you know um it continues to evolve. So I think that the, the disruption is constant and is ongoing. As as it is specific to, you know, music streaming and so on, you know, obviously within the last 10, 15 years, we have really seen uh, an evolution in terms of, you know, how people um, acquire and consume content, specifically music. Yeah. And even now that that is continuing to, that is continuing to evolve, you know, there, there, are, there are people who are, Stepping away from the 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 big streaming services of the Spotify's and the Apples and the Deezers and so on, and they're finding new ways to to to, to sort of create and consume. communicate directly with their audiences, you know, and, and and regain ownership of their 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 audience. So the the disruption is 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 constant. Amazing, and kind of that allows us to sort of think of you know how you're thinking now, and we'll get to what you're working on at the moment. But uh, so you know, if you're answering like that now, you're obviously aware of disrupting while you were doing it. There's a documentary on Netflix about the early days of Spotify. Uh, it's translated, it's dubbed, it's really good. And each episode shows uh, the lens of each individual involved in the journey, Daniel Ek and other people. And they, they have one artist, she's a talented artist, and she's almost cast aside as the documentary goes on. Mm. Did you feel a bit like that? And the, you know, w what I mean by how music disrupted is that now, the music, the revenue the music industry is making is a lot more than it was 10 years ago. But the artists haven't necessarily got what they were getting 20 years ago. Yeah. Did you feel that, you know, as your career was, uh, when you were really popular with these billions of streams, did you think you were getting the fair share? I mean, there's, um, I think, six large organizations that run the entire music industry. Um, the group that owns Warner, um, Tencent. And the other names, I actually read an article on it two days ago, but um, the other names escaped me. I can send it to you, you know. So you have to kind of ask yourself, well, am I am I doing this to compete with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Or am I doing this to change the hearts and minds of people who come to a show and they may have never heard this music before and now here they are and they had a life-changing experience, you know. So it's very difficult for creatives when... We have to, we are forced to, to conflate these ideas of um, doing something because I love it and I want to share that love with others and doing something because I make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. And there are some that have made a okay. lot of money off of it and I mean... More, more power to the two, you know, but it's, 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 it's very, there's, 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 no, there's, no, there's no middle ground between doing something that you enjoy for the sake of changing lives and doing something 
because you can make money at it. You know, it, it, you, you kind of have to pick a path. And there's some people that have been able to balance it too. And there's some people who, um, like the young lady in your documentary, you know, there, there are ton, tons of uh, uh, musicians and, and, and just creators across all, all, all different disciplines out there who wake up some mornings and they, they, they feel overwhelmed by, you know, not having the the fame and the numbers and the, the millions on Instagram and the millions in the bank accounts and so on, you know, but mm. you have to kind of ask yourself, well, what, what is my motivation here? Good answer. It's interesting. Um, David Bowie once said that he doesn't love music. He doesn't passionately listen to it all the time, that music is just a medium for him to express his thoughts and creativity. How do you feel about music? I would agree with David Bowie. I mean, I, I think for me, I, I'm not. I'm not very good at um, like inbound, you know. So I tend to mostly listen to a lot of the same stuff over and over again. I'm. I'm, I'm not really the type of. Put, I have uh, friends who who avidly pursue new music and 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 new, like you said earlier, genres and and so on and so on. For me, it's sort of like if I hear something that, that I like and I enjoy, I might you know go into Spotify and you know see what else is there. But I. I am not, again, I think 10 years ago, you know, uh, 15 years ago, I was definitely far more voracious in terms of, you know, um, wanting to explore, wanting to have that adventure. I, I also think that, you know, having everything sort of just immediately available to you sort of takes away from the, the, the joy of discovery. Yeah. And I have met... Um, folks over the last few months who they they collect vinyls. I met a, a a young man, an Egyptian young man who lives in Amsterdam who collects cassettes. Yeah. So he has to um, fly to Cairo and then find these guys who um, have old cassette collections and then they they go through the collections and so on. And to me, that is a far more enjoyable um, the 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 act of. Um, finding new content in that way is far more enjoyable to me than oh well let me go and see you know what spotify recommends to me in terms of new music you know so for me yeah it it, it is a it is a, a way to to communicate an idea or a thought or a feeling again which comes back to are you doing it because it is something that you love and you enjoy and again that you want to communicate or are you doing it because it sounds just like X and I know that I can make this number of streams and if I do this much dancing on TikTok and so on and so on, you know, like the, the mechanics of um, communicating creativity has really changed a lot within the last three to five years, you know, so um, I can see a lot of younger creatives and older creatives as well who sort of struggle with being able to bridge that gap between, you know, um, being creatively successful and, and and creating content that, that will last a lifetime. You know, how mm. can I do, how do I make a song today that will stand the test of time so that ten years down the line it will still be profound, twenty years down the line, uh, fifty years down the line, as opposed to something that, you know, becomes sort of like an anom an anomaly, you know, and 
to be fair, we have been able to achieve both in terms of being able to create music that has been able to stand the test of time and music that has been able to, you know, um, entertain fans and entertain fans, but also, you know, um, you know, break all of these records and shatter all of these numbers and so you know, which yeah. is which is you know again which appeals to some you know so, but it's again, it's not there's no there's no formula for achieving both at the same time. Okay, yeah, interesting. But you know, we talked a little bit about the disruption of the streaming services and the business side of it, uh, and you know, while you weren't focused on that, you were still disrupting in how you produce music. And I, I don't know the, the industry that well and the technical side, but I imagine why the top artists in the world collab you collaborated with is because you were doing something original. Uh, how did you, what, what role did technology play in the production of music that you worked on? I mean, it plays a huge role, like, like, but, but again, we, we, need to, we need to separate ourselves from um, the, the technology and recognize that it is just a tool that is available to you in the same way that the phone in your pocket is a tool or a, a drill is a tool you know and, and you could have um you know the latest cell phone but if you don't have reception you can't make a phone call you could have a precision toolkit but if you're if you have butterfingers then that's not really going to be of much use to you you know so it's 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 less about what is the technology that that is available, and it's more about how how you use the technology that's available, and it's more about you know what are your intentions, mm. you know. So if you're if you are really trying to do stuff that is new and exciting and fresh and is challenging, and you can find ways to communicate that, then you will find yourself aligned and supported by and surrounded by people who are also interested in doing things that are new and fresh and exciting. And I think that that is what um, at the time, made us so appealing to so many of these uh, large acts from across North America and the world because we were doing something that was that was interesting and exciting, but doing it in a very authentic way as well. Interesting. You know, some of the things that you do now, Chris, are you're a mentor for tech stars for music. You're linked with uh, Volta, mm -hmm. which you can describe better than me, but it's a VR uh, extended reality sort of startup, and then also on another side with Endel is a neuroscience data-driven. Um, how did you do that transition? And, and before I skip the whole interview, and before I forget to ask you, how did the Julianaire, AKA the, the name come about? Oh, it was a, it was a, a, a joke from, from a friend <laughs> from yeah, years and years ago. And it just so it's just a just, nickname? Yeah, it just sort of stuck, yeah. And, and so Julianaire now, and then you're, you're, you're obviously those things that I mentioned, you know, you would be, known as like a consultant or a, a tech music entrepreneur is that the position that you do now and how did you sort of devote your time and energy to that the the process is very similar to 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 the to the, the music exploration space in that you know you meet a young artist who has potential and they have a project that they're working on and they want to be able to reach a larger audience and you do what you can to help them you know whether it's you know, some production on a track or releasing a, a, a single or just uh, connecting them with, with other people in the space. And in the t startup tech space, it's similar. You know, you, you meet young founders who are driven. And as long as somebody is coachable and they and they understand that either, A, they must have the, the, the motivation and the drive and the focus to, to succeed, uh, and B, that they must 
understand where they must let go and, and, and build a strong team around them to do the things that they may not necessarily be strong at. And, that, and then they can put those two things together and they can build a, a company that is scalable. It is, it's pretty much the same. It's, it's analogous, you know, it's, it's a, it's a one for one situation. So that's why I, f I focus mostly on idea stage and very early stage, uh, founders because these are the guys who I think sort of can benefit most from the insight that I may have to offer and the relationships that I may have to offer. I mean, you know, by the time you get to a $75 million valuation, you're doing, you know, um, a couple of million dollars in monthly recurring revenue. There's, there's very little that I can do for you as mm. a, a mentor, you know, but, but working with guys who are, you know, starting from scratch, you know, this has really been, you know, enjoyable to me because it, it's a similar sort of exploration and growth process that you have in the music space. Interesting. And from the mentorship point of view, you know, as you started that answer in terms of uh, musicians, when they're young, they might make mistakes, so they need that guidance. But then there's, you know, those two startups and more that you're involved with. Uh, how do you divide the time? Like one could be a mentor from a music background and the mm. second is more sort of how to uh, run an innovative startup as well. I think right now I probably have about a dozen companies in my portfolio that I've been actively involved in at some, at some point or the other. And it's, it's just sort of, it's thesis driven. And the thesis evolves over time, but then it's also process driven. So there, there are questions that you're going to have to ask yourself in terms of, you know, what is the, what is the product that I want to build? Who is the audience that I'm building it for? Is it defensible? What is my exit strategy? Because I think that a lot of people don't think about that. Is it, are you trying to build something? Are you trying to build a, a tool? Are you trying to build a product? And are you if you're trying to build a product, is this a, a product that you're trying to to sell? Who you think is going to buy something like this? Um, are you trying to go public? So when you sort of begin to ask yourself all of those questions, and you sort of move on the list, and you have a better idea and a better understanding of where you need to be, how am I going to scale? You know, um, am I more technically sound? Am I more of a marketing person, am I more of a an organizational person? Who do I who am I gonna to have to bring in on my team? You know, what sort of um what sort of other mentors and advisors am I am I am I looking for? You know, what 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 sort of funding am I looking for? You know, do I want to focus more on, you know, uh in angels? Do I want to focus on on targeting the the, the large venture company companies? I mean the thing about it is that in this environment, for instance, you know, funding is very difficult to, mm. to secure. Do you have strong financials? A lot of people have great ideas, but they're not they don't they don't necessarily have even a rudimentary understanding of you know what not what not, not just what are the mechanics of the business, but what what are the, the the financial fundamentals of the business? You know, so if you can sort of get people to to go down that list and understand those things, then at the end of it all, they may, they may realize, hey, you know, maybe, maybe A, this is not for me, or or B, I need to I need to find a way to, to pivot quickly into something that is that is going to build a viable business that I can then go out and fundraise on and I can go out and, and, and make profitable. So, it, in terms of spending my time, you know, if if I'm gonna take on the responsibility of mentoring somebody, that's why I don't really do. A whole lot, yeah. You know, so I may, I may, I may take on 
one or two companies a year because I, I understand that, you know, within that first three to six month period, you know, there's it, it, it's going to be very hands on, you know, in terms of, you know, what are your what are your growth metrics looking like? What are, what are the milestones that you want to hit? You know, and how are you going to go about achieving those milestones? And then if you don't, you know, what what comes next? You know, yeah. so it's it's I wouldn't say it's it's um, it's it's time consuming because it's something I, that I enjoy, but at the same time, it you have to be ready to to dedicate the time yeah. to it. You know, and whether that's whether that's you know a, a, a phone call once a week or a Zoom catch-up, you know, once a month or whatever it is, you know, you sort of find a way to fit that into your schedule so that you can be effective. Brilliant. Interesting. I really like how you describe that as, you know, thesis-driven and process-driven and understanding the relationship between both. What's your current thesis and what you do? What are you looking out for? What are you excited about? <laughs> I think that, that I've always been focused on solutions for the 99%. In other words, um, products that... Um, the the average consumer can easily understand and, yeah. and, and and use you know and tools that can be applied whether we in this region or we across the Caribbean across the Africas across South America so right now um, I've most I've most recently for instance been working with um, a company in in Nigeria that they just built a, a big uh, crypto trading platform but now they're doing uh, gift cards so it sounds innocuous but it's actually quite interesting to me at, at least you know so they have a gift card exchange where if, if somebody gives you a gift card and you don't have any use for it and you can go on there you can sell it and you can use the money to buy something else and the whole idea now is that how do we expand that so we can say well um every little every little uh store every every a uh, small business restaurant now yeah. can build uh, a gift card incentive program which they can then use to to grow their audience and then they can in turn use that as a, a, a flywheel to grow their larger audience so then they can reach more users etc etc so so there are ways to, to sort of not necessarily pivot, pivot that business but expand it beyond you know the, the, the initial into something that is far more far, 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 has far greater reach you know, and eventually use that as a tool to assist people that may be unbanked or underbanked. So you don't have um, traditional banking resources to go get uh, Apple Music um, or Roblox or whatever mm. it is. But now we can create this system where, you know, for 50 American dollars, you know, you can go get your, your Roblox gift card or your Apple Music gift card or so on. And then, then you have those, you make those goods and services now available to a larger cross-section of the population who may not necessarily have been um, privy to that before. So that that is sort of an example of something where I feel fits into that, that it's, it's, it's a, a, a large market, a market that is right for opportunity yeah. and a market that can reach, you know, um, 99% of, of, of people in, in your room at any time. It sounds like it's suited to emerging markets as well. It's quite interesting that, you know, you're also working in, in Nigeria and, and looking at startups. It makes the, makes the, what you do very global in, yeah. your, in your approach. Yeah. And uh, so just a little bit on music, how do you think the, uh, you know, the new technologies like virtual reality, mixed reality and AI, uh, maybe that's too broad a question, but particularly, First, if we focus on mixed reality, you know, uh, from the layperson, you know, seeing, uh, you know, music videos being done 
in a virtual reality production point of view? Like, do you see many more trends? Is it sort of hit and miss? Is it going to go mainstream? Again, it's a tool. So it's how we use the tool. So yeah. I think that I think that I think that it's great that 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 there's so much. It's a very noisy space, and I think that you know out of that noise, it's obviously going to come you know like the one or two big viable ideas. You know, okay. but but for right now, there's tons that's happening in in, in VR. I, I mean, I personally, I'm not. I I have a headset, but I know I I much rather do this than you know be on the headset but at the same time it is a way for people to reach new audiences it is a way for um viewers and users to interact with content in a way that they may not have been able to interact with that content before so again it is a tool that is available you know and in the same way that at one point drones were a tool and then you know shooting drone footage was like an oddity and now shooting drone footage is just another part of the process you know it's going to be something similar where you know ai was an oddity and then you know now everybody wants to use ai for everything and then that's <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna burn off you know and you know the thing about it is that when we look at technology it's sort of like a comet right but for the most part, we just we 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 really concern ourselves with the large, bright, fiery ball of what's brand new and exciting, and so on. Not realizing that there's a whole long tail of things that's going to come after that are going to yeah. have a far more uh, greater long-term impact than you know this this big exciting you know what is in front of me right now you know inside of these VR goggles and this. Travis Scott concert or whatever, whatever it is, you know, and and that, and that stuff is is great in terms of a proof of concept, you know. Yeah. But as you move along past proof of concept, you know, there's going to be so much more useful day to day practical applications that are going to come out of those 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 big ideas. That and and that for me is the stuff that I think is is probably not as exciting to the the bleeding edge or the lay person, but has a far more uh, profound long-term impact. Interesting. But, you know, when, so a bull case for the metaverse would be that it replaces the internet, right? That the 2 billion users or whatever they're on Facebook will start having headsets like we have smartphones. And in that scenario, in the music world, that means that Spotify will need to be, will be redundant mm -hmm. and there'll be another music thing that we'll be able to upload as artists for the metaverse. Mm. Uh, you know, if that happens, how would you approach it? And how, how would you, how would artists approach it? And how would you approach it as a mentor? Well, when that happens, I think we'll have to have that, this conversation again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not happening right now, obviously. I mean, it, it, it is happening right now, you know, and there, there, there are a number of people who are, who are trying to, to create, um, licensing and, and, and project product engagement tools for virtual reality. And again, eventually those things will become viable. But when you think about it, a lot of the, the a lot of the technological advancements that we've seen within the last ten to fifteen years have only really come from the fact that we have a smartphone that's small enough to fit in our pockets. So un until we get to the point where, you know, these these headsets are practical enough where everybody can have one of those and they don't feel like an idiot walking around wearing them, you know, then, you know, okay. it, it's, it's, again, 
it exists, but how do we achieve mainstream adoption is going to be, you know, that's that's where we that's where we that's the the challenge that I think that we need to we need to address right now. Yeah. So let's specifically speak. I really wanted to. I think we're running out of time. I wanted to ask you about Endol and, and neuroscience and focusing and what you're doing there. But if I just make it a general, more broader question about AI. Uh, it's obviously the hot topic. It's palpable. You know, people are getting funding for writing ideas on napkins. It's that sort of buzz. It's where we were with crypto a couple of years ago. But, you know, for people who are afraid of AI in terms of replacing jobs and content creation and ChatGPT, what ChatGPT 4 and 5 will do, you know, do you think that AI will be writing all the music songs, all the videos, and that it'll make a lot of artists redundant? You get the culture you pay for, right? So if that's what you want, then that's what you get. You know, I mean, like I said, the the tools have always existed. The 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 sequences have always existed, and the keyboards have always existed. You know, and and I think that one interesting example, for instance, is the those little Casio keyboards, right? Yeah. And and Casio made those 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 keyboards in in in, in Japan in the early seventies, and you know, uh, um. Uh, music producer in Jamaica got hold of one, and then he was able to use use the presets on the Casio to create the iconic sound of you know uh, electronic dancehall music that was able to you know blow up in the in the early eighties. That that and you know and and then you had this whole musical and cultural revolution that came out of that. You know, is it so? It's like, is it that? You know the the Casio keyboard replaced the replaced live instrumentation. No, you know. So is it that artific- artificially in, um, generated music is going to re- replace you know human generated music? No, I mean for some things, you know, for 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 jingles, for ads, and and, and nonsense like that. Yeah, but again, are you trying to create something that is going to stand the test of time? And it's going to be here in ten years, twenty years, fifty years. Or are you going to, are you trying to yeah again make a, a a jingle for a four second YouTube ad? This it's it's you're talking about two different um, categories, you know, in that the 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 the, the Philharmonic Orchestra still exists, and people mm. you know, and and the ballet still exists, and opera still exists, and and you know. Um, the violin still exists, and the piano, and the guitar, and it's like, as much as if if you have if you have a, a a young child at home, you know, you, you still want them to go and learn to play tennis, and and learn to play the guitar, and and learn, you know, to, and, and go to dancing and, and football, and, and 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 all of these things, you know, that 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 require use of the mind and use of the physical body, you know, and you can you can create the right balance so that we can do both. You know, and not just say, well, you've got to learn how to play video games, you know. Mm. You know, this interview was all about how you've innovated yourself. Uh, you're doing the current thesis at the moment. If we interviewed you in 10 years' time, will you still be a mentor to tech and music startups? 100%. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.